0: afternoon good evening whenever you happen to be listening to this the latest episode of the curated culture i am your gracious humble host rob aka robbie diesel and that's right that's right i told you earlier this week we're going to be hitting you with a bonus episode and this is what they call the follow-through Yes, the second episode dropping in one week, and I really hope that you guys enjoy this one because I enjoyed recording it. Now, I enjoyed recording it so much that once again, I was almost practically screaming into the mic. This is another interview from Motor City Comic Con, and I did not, I pulled the biggest rookie mistake in the world, I did not check my levels. My gain was like all the way up and it just it sounds very, very irritating. But thankfully, uh, I calmed down about uh, five minutes into the interview so it doesn't sound as uh, uh, insanely blown out. So you get through the intro in the first few minutes and everything levels out. And it's, a, it's actually a really great conversation with Miss aletha martinez who i have been wanting to talk to for a super long time i've run across her at a couple different comic cons and never got the chance to speak with her until this motor city and boy am i glad that i talked to her she is damn near a legend in the industry she has worked on so many big titles from both Marvel and DC and she is currently working on the 800th issue of Wonder Woman and the stories that she had to tell and the uh, anecdotes and her background and growing up and how she came to be in the world of comics and art and drawing and everything man it was just a fantastic interview and I cannot wait to share it with you guys so much so that I'm going to bulldoze through the business that we always take care of today just to get you into the interview quicker. So of course, as always, make sure that you guys are following us via social media at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore curated culture on Twitter. Make sure that you're following me personally at Robbie Diesel on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Snapchats, on the TikToks, all over the social media, youtube.com slash Diesel. Thecuratedculture.com, all over the place. And if you are hearing the sound of my super smooth velvety voice, then that means you have two different things that you need to do. Number one, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss an episode when we upload each and every Monday, unless I decide to hit you with some bonus content, in which case you'll get it when it drops. Secondly, If you have the ability to do so, make sure that you drop this show a five-star rating or review. That helps us out in the algorithms, gets us into more ears and in front of more eyes. And as you know by now, that helps me further my plot for audio world domination. So with that being said, thank you guys for pressing play or downloading this episode of the Curated Culture featuring Miss Aletha. Martinez, please, please enjoy this interview and forgive my insane amount of gain uh, recorded uh, during this interview. Y'all take it easy and I'll catch y'all on the other side. Good
1: morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this, a very special micro edition of the Curated Culture. I am your gracious humble host Rob, aka Robbie Diesel, and I am joined today by a very special guest, this Aletha Martinez. Aletha, how are we doing today?
2: Fine, thank you. And thank you for having me.
1: It is an absolute pleasure, first and foremost. I uh, I started to look into you last year because I wanted to interview you way, way back. We have a mutual friend in uh, TJ, and I wanted to interview you back then but didn't get the chance. So I want to first and foremost thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Um, and secondly, I have to ask because you have... Quite an expensive portfolio in the world of comics. So, what what brought you into the world of comics and art and creation? Oh,
2: you mean the the love of comics? Yeah. Are we talking about the love of comics? Well, I don't have the normal story that other people have. It's like, oh, I grew up and there was I read comics. It was so wonderful. And then my mom or brother or whoever, in a family member, took me to the store and I got comics. Voila, love. Oh no. <laughs> My family, I'm from an immigrant family. We're the kids that they kept taking out of the country. You know, Mm -hmm. they send you home. You don't (laughs) see your parents. In fact, your parents haven't seen you in so long that when they send you clothes, they don't fit. So then you come up. I didn't know comic books exist. In Curacao, they had no comics. There are nothing there. Mm. Please, had mean dogs, but no comics. (laughs) But I knew I wanted to draw. I wanted to create. I wanted to tell a story. Mm -hmm. So I would doodle on the side of my pages. You know how much trouble you get into in front of nuns drawing things that, and again, remember, I'm not drawing Superman Wonder Woman, I didn't know they existed, but I had my own little spy character, because they knew James Bond, and yeah, oh no, that was a sin and a shame, (laughs) but a missionary came, and all of a sudden, they brought a little ash can of Spider-Man, and I'm like, oh my God, so that was the first time I saw something in a comic form. Again, we're coming back and forth into in and out of the country as children. Mm -hmm. Finally, 12 years old, I land in Florida. Then they deport me, but I come back. Don't worry, don't worry. They got me back. They got me back. (laughs) Okay. They got me back. And I watch TV, and there's Voltron and Robotech and Thundercats, and it's like, oh my God, (laughs) this is what I want. And the other problem, girls don't draw comics.
0: Yes, of course. You
2: see how it's like two steps forward, one step back, like ten steps back? So I didn't have the smooth transition of loving comics. No, I moved up to New York with a duffel bag and a guitar, mm-hmm. like an old rock song. Yeah. Not knowing what I'm going to do. What size paper to draw? Nothing!
0: Wow.
2: Then I tried to go to the School of Visual Arts. Mm -hmm. What a mistake.
1: Was this in New York? Yes,
2: in New York. I'm the only girl in the cartooning department. You know how long I lasted? A few weeks! I had to leave! But luckily, Joe Casada kept practicing, and Joe Casada said, I'm going to give you a trial by fire. So I was his ghost. I drew him first. Started with Osriel Ash from there, rolled into Marvel Knights. And then it's been a 22-year ride ever since.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. And that is quite the story for sure now one thing that you hit on this there's not a lot of of girls or women in comics but you also are an anomaly because you are a black woman specifically in comics how does how does that dynamic change you know how you are invited or included in projects or how you yourself approach projects
2: see i i don't get to approach projects or project's Approach me. They come to you, okay. And that is different because a lot of people. I feel that gives more creative freedom when you can, when you think, "Oh, I get to choose, or I get to be somewhere else." I don't have a voice in comments like that. When you start as the first, they tell me I'm the first woman of color to draw the flagship titles. You know, they're the ones they've had. They're going to put money behind. But that also comes with the caveat that you don't create, you regurgitate.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: But what that did do, and I do know it did for everyone else, is so that the girl that comes behind me, they don't question. Because you can't question because I've done it. Right. So they don't worry about it. So I'm on panels with other women who are starting to come into the industry, and, they're, and they don't have the same experience that I have. All of that I killed. And mm. I'm so happy to have been able to do that so that they don't feel that suffering that, I want this, and no, you can't have it. Now right. I'm still waiting for mine, though. We'll, we'll see.
1: <laughs> now, being, being part of so many, um, as you lovingly call them, ghost projects, how did that experience help shape the projects that you decided to create on your own?
2: Again, that was, it, was a, it was a lesson for me, and I like it, I love it, now change it. Ghosting wipes away your own style. It wipes everything away from you. You literally are copying someone else so that you fit in to their work so they cannot tell the difference where they stop and you begin. In fact, they don't even know you're there. What that did was allow me to hop from studio to studio and project to project to touch people's work on levels that you know other young artists don't get to blend into. I mean, I worked with Jim Calafuri He didn't even know I was there because I was inking Aquaman with... Peter Parmiati at the time. So you're handling all this work and going for different people's studios and learning from all these other artists, but it's always with that caveat that you were there as an extra pair of hands to work. Mm -hmm. You're learning at the same time, so you're learning from the best there is to learn from on projects that are due now. So what it gave me is speed, and confidence. I never had that thing where you feel like I can't draw on this because it, it might have been drawn by Jim Lee. I can't touch it. It's like, listen, this got to get done. Mm-hmm. I don't care if God Himself came down and sketched this. I would keep it myself, and you know. <laughs> but you have that thing where you just don't feel the fear of it. There's no fear of it.
1: Yeah, and I can I can see that journey specifically i read um one of your early projects and um in the intro to the book you speak about your journey from creating this first comic in 2005 i believe um into your current project you and ever um how much confidence did that journey of 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 not knowing much about anything at first carry over into the creation of You, Me, and Ever and any other projects that you approach?
2: Now, see, this is when I've finally been working in comics. I've already had done Fantastic Four and X-Men and Iron Man. So, of course, the next step is to do your own book. I had actually believed that I've arrived at a place. And I was respected by my peers so that we could start to work together. And images is just coming up, and they're just putting out their books. This is right when Sok, everyone's coming up. So why can't we put together a book? We did it with a, an understanding. Whoever gets the first script written, then that's the first one that we go. We go. We all started at the same time. Ningyo came first. So mm-hmm. we all worked on this first book. And that was... Incidentally, the first time I sat at a convention, once I had this book done, I wouldn't do it before because, again, why? Marvel and DC don't need me. I need them. They got right. to <laughs> feed me. There's a difference. <laughs> but this is something for me. Definitely. So I'm sitting in a convention, first one ever, with my with the rest of the team. You're on their your own. Right. And Eric Larson comes up and hands me his card and says, I want to publish this. Wow. And I turn to the team and go, <laughs> and there's a dark cloud hanging over their head and I get and I learned something right there. And it's a lesson that made me. It literally, mm-hmm. that is the split in my career. That's from the moment where you're like together and you're believing that I've finally arrived to knowing, to knowing I've gone nowhere. And I have to learn all this. And I'm starting again all the way at the bottom. Learn Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign for my LLC learned to do a full comic book by myself, and then Yumiya never came because of that. So it actually put my studio together, and then it made me train my son, who later came up and said, Mom, why is this book sitting here so long? All this art, all this everything. He's like, because, hey, number one, it gets dated, and I don't like looking at old stuff. (laughs) But he's like, no, why don't we do this book? So it took my kid training him to Mm -hmm. bring him up, to help replace me, to do this.
1: Yes. And with with Yumi and Ever specifically, reading through the first issue of that, there was, like, I myself have never seen a comic like this before where in the first issue, there is zero dialogue. You just see death and destruction. Not to give too many spoilers away, but there's death and destruction, and that to me is like a really brave choice because it focuses the reader to really, really tune in to what's happening. Um, what what led to that choice specifically? Like, I want this issue to have no dialogue. I just want you to see the crux, the the very start of this story, and then we're off to the races from there.
2: Because ultimately, it was twofold for me. One, the characters will interpret that event differently in the future when they talk about it. You say, "Did it really happen the like, way I saw it?" <laughs> but also, as an artist, it's like there's not a lot of challenges when you're regurgitating work. Mm-hmm. The challenge is this is a storytelling form, a visual storytelling form. I needed to see, can I tell a story, and you can follow me from start to finish, from epic battle, from a cast of hundreds down to one. Can you follow the whole story without me telling you or explaining anything to you? In fact, a lot of people come back and tell this was wordless, you know. <laughs> I, I, it was like they were talking in my head I was making up dialogue it's like you don't need to hear it you need to see it can you follow the whole story did you get what I'm are you, are you buying what I'm trying to sell you here right that's
1: that's, yeah, and, and I, I like that because I, I feel like that's, a, a, a really brave choice, but, B, it immediately makes the book stand out. And in the, in the few projects, your projects that I've read, one of the things that I feel like you're really good at is telling these really large, robust stories. Where do you pull the inspiration from those stories uh, to, to create them? You
2: know, I, this is where I have to go all the way back to my childhood, that thing where I knew I wanted to tell a story. And it was always, I'm good at world building. I think that's why they put me on books that are that are just starting up, that they need you to build, mm-hmm. because I can see this picture, and I see that epic journey. I used to get weak in my knees as a kid. You're going to play outside, and you know you're going all day to play football and kickball. <laughs> but then all of a sudden I start thinking about, like, talking, there's a story. And I get weak and have to go sit down and just slip into this world and watch them and just yes. watch it go. So you're watching movies and your mind constantly, constantly flowing in. There's like not a moment I don't live with some portion of these characters. So when they say, "Oh, you're dedicated to art," no, that's all I do. It's all I've been doing since I was a child. I don't know anything else.
1: <laughs> and that's that's awesome. And and you've had again quite the journey. You, you've written or drawn for DC, for Marvel. Um, you run your own projects in particular. What is what's next? For you and for your comic uh, imprint, and what can people look forward to uh, in terms of You, Me, and Ever?
2: Well, You, Me, and Ever, I would like to finish its first arc. And again, I'm doing most of my hobby stuff along the side because, you know, I've got to work and then I literally use that to fuel. You know, the side the project. Comic. I the got Side you. projects. I don't do kickstarters yet. I haven't done them yet, so, and I should. I know I should. I hear I should. Yeah. But to <laughs> me, I like to take my time with things and build them, and really, I don't want the enjoyment to be pulled from me. Right. But I found like the next challenge, my next okay, you're not there yet, <laughs> is with my other project, Foreign, because okay. I write every day of my life since I was since I could write at four years old. You know, okay. learning from the Bible, your grandmother teaches you to read, you read it two, you write it four. <laughs> so every day of my life that I can remember, I write something. Okay. And I've been writing this story for many years, and finally my kid noticed that this is something I've never published before, and he said, like, well, why don't you publish this? I was like, well, I'm working on this part of the larger story. He says, no, no, publish this, but mama, begin at the beginning don't do a star wars. <laughs> so now you know how old he was when he yes. notices. This. As I explained, well this, this is not number 1. This is number he like uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, why didn't this exist? You see how it <laughs> makes no sense to children just born today. So I started with Forward, which is mostly it's a novel. It's prose. It's, it's what they call serious science fiction. Did you know that apparently they don't have a lot of Hispanic women especially of color writing serious science fiction.
1: I can believe it.
2: My, my name is too flowery and ethnic for publication so I'm being told it would be better for was like Martin because you know they have Octavia Butler these strong black names uh-huh. I'm like listen my grandmother came over here at 40 years old became a nurse, brought her family over here. There is no way I'm dropping my family's name in her head because I come from a long line of conquerors and strong black women.
1: Absolutely. And
2: just because they're not American doesn't mean that I need to conform to that point and just lose my family's heritage for that
1: because they cannot
2: understand or they don't know that they're, you know. And once upon a time, women didn't draw comics either. So I guess we'll have to wait and see (laughs) this next journey. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that's that's something that we're starting to see, especially from you know the big two marvel and d c especially that representation matters and and it's, it's awesome that you yourself have identified that and you' are pushing more um, towards that so with that being said um what what are your next slate of comics headed out i know you said you're gonna finish you me and ever uh-huh. and feel don't don't feel any pressure to give us spoilers or yeah, anything I can't, I can't.
2: listen <laughs> we can't get in trouble one, one thing they do want me to talk about is that wonder woman is reaching its 800 issue yes 799 and we just finished 800 okay so they're like this is the one this is our this is our girl come now <laughs> we have all the we have a queen we have a black queen of Damascara yes and they Woman with the hair that we have on our heads
0: yeah and not
2: just straight not not the hair like me i'm not gonna let this go natural right because no, no, then i'm scared to comb it
0: it's
2: too much to just stroke look look at my son. <laughs> right now how are you scared of that well
1: you see my son early uh-huh. he's got the same poof yeah yeah no
2: poof, but they get scared of it and they don't want to pick it through uh-huh you know, long hair is owie right but you see this <laughs> That when you draw it in a comic, mm-hmm. I think Nubia, of all the characters I've ever done for any, any, any big publisher, she is the most reflective of the way Superman, and the rest are created by white men to reflect their strongest standards. Yes. She's the same for us. She has hair that flows it's like I don't know who brushes that out, but it's magical. <laughs> it should be that way. She's got she's strong and she's still sexy and mm-hmm. she's still beautiful. Because usually black women in comics are there's strong. a trade-off. There's a trade-off and they're always fat, they're never the attractive one, they're never the one that the that the hero wants. Right you allowed this. Now, mm-hmm. she just needs to pass that little test where she actually talks to a man. She doesn't kill do
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> or want to beat up. Right. I and mean, she has to kill him, but she's certainly a little, you know, like, you deserve these fists. Absolutely. But so far, she hasn't really had a lot of interaction with the outside world, and the little bit she had didn't go very well. <laughs> so I'm pretty certain she's not going to leave the mascara anytime right. But seeing her and now giving her to people, you no longer feel that comics are not for me, or they don't quite see me, or I have to fit into a box that I feel uncomfortable. So it's cosplayers. Imagine the armor you need to put on to say I'm going to dress as this white character knowing some ass hat is going to come up to you and say, but that character's wild. Right, yeah, yes. Hear it all the- yes. Well now you can walk out there uh-huh. And I am sexy,
1: too. <laughs> you can wear it with confidence. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And that is something that is prevalent in all your books. The confidence, the style, the storytelling, I absolutely love it. Ms. Aliza, I want to say thank you so much oh, for joining you. me. Thank you for letting me run my mouth. I tremendously appreciate it. Before we <laughs> get out of here, where can the people find you on the socials? Well,
2: I'm Ariad Storm on... Where am I, so, just about everywhere. Instagram, Twitter. Instagram and Twitter. www.ariatstorm.com is my website, but you'll see the link to 4. You go, who is this woman sitting here? <laughs> that doesn't look like comic. Convo- no, that's my baby from foreign and Ricky. And um, I'm just Aletha Martinez on Facebook.
1: Awesome. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it. We're going to drop a link to all of those below. Make sure you guys check out the projects. Thank you so very much for listening. I am Rob. She is Aletha. We'll check y'all on the next one. Peace.
2: Bye-bye. I was <laughs> like,
0: you know. Well, wasn't that just a blasty blast of an interview? I thought so. I had a hell of a time interviewing Miss Aletha. I want to personally thank her. For all of her contributions to the wonderful, wonderful world of comics and especially thank her again for taking her time out to speak with me at Motor City Comic Con. It was it was absolutely tremendous. You can tell I was more excited than any other interview that I've done because again, the, the audio was just absolutely bonkers. Um, it leveled out for a minute and then I got super hype again towards the end So if you made it this far, thank you so very much for sticking in with us. Um, I hope that Uh, you were able to pick up something from Aletha's story, uh, her trials and tribulations and persistence More than anything, um, just get out there and make it happen, man Like everybody has their own different journeys and their own different paths But you cannot let the adversity of life and what you want to do get in the way of doing what you want to do if that made any sense at all uh so thank you guys so very much for checking this episode out um if you liked what you heard again make sure that you drop us a five star rating or review on whatever podcast service you're listening to us on if you have that option as well as making sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode whenever we upload we drop new heat weekly So make sure that you tune in for that. Follow us on social media at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore Curated Culture on Twitter. And then, of course, you can follow me personally at Robbie Diesel on the tweets, on the Instagrams, on the Snapchats, on the TikToks, all over the place, man. I appreciate you guys for checking me out this episode. And as always, I will see you on the next one. Until then, y'all be good. Take care of each other. Peace.